morning, Spirit of Grace. Look at y'all showing up in the new year, ready to go. It's awesome. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, we're going to have you remain seated today, doing something a little bit different. Um, we are having communion today. So thankful that we are able to gather together, that we are still able to gather together. Amen. I may not be able to see all of your face, but I can see some of your face. And so it's so good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. Praying that your holiday season was blessed. I'm excited to see what the Lord has in store for us in 2021. He holds us well. Amen. And I'm thankful for his sweet presence that is always available to us. And so let's just bow our heads together this morning and let's welcome his presence into not only this place, but into every part of our being, our minds, our hearts, our health, our finances, our relationships. We welcome you this morning, Lord Jesus. We invite you, Lord. We ask you to have your way in this place today. Lord, we step forward into this year expecting great and mighty, powerful, sweet and wonderful things. We are not naive to think that there will not be battles to be fought. But we are using wisdom and knowing that if we place our hand in your hand, and we rely on your voice to lead and guide us, and we don't step until you say step, we know that you are faithful to lead and guide and go before us, Jesus. And so we're asking you to do that even today, Lord God, that you would lead us into your presence, that you would lead us into your plan for this appointed time where we gather together in unity, Lord God. We come against any voice that would distract, that would dissuade, that would discourage. And Lord, we lose your power in this house. God, we invite you into every part of us. Change us, Jesus. Mold us and make us into who and what you would have us to be. That we can be ambassadors, Lord God, in this day and this time. Lord, willing vessels, willing to be poured out by you upon every person we come in contact with. You are faithful to give us the words to say, the words to speak, the words to pray. We believe in the power in your name. We honor you. We exalt you today. We thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Amen. As I walked through the door, I sensed his presence. And I knew Are standing in his 
May God arise and may his enemies be scattered. May his foes flee before him. May God arise and may his enemies be scattered.
brought this old hymn to me last night. Softly and tenderly. Praise God. Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for me. I feel him calling us this morning. And I want you to know if you are new to church, or if it's just been a really, really long time, or if you've been coming since you were two, and you've forgotten what it's like to hear that voice. Or maybe we've just been caught up in things and, and have gotten used to not responding when we hear that sweet voice. Amen. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling for each and every one of us. And our only response needs to be, here am I, Lord. Here am I. Amen. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling.
done the last evening before the Lord's uh, turning over from Judas Iscariot and he washed the disciples' feet and he served them some food and some wine and they had what we consider the Last Supper. And uh, it, it carried over into a ritual, I don't like using that word because that has a whole connotation to it, but it came into a symbolic nature when we partake of this to go back to that day. And um, the Lord allowed, allows us to symbolically partake of his blood and his body through the concept of communion. Now I know that there are people that teach that when you partake this, that literally turns into the flesh and blood of the Lord. I'm not one of those teachers. This is an oyster cracker and grape juice. But symbolically, we are consuming or partaking in the body of Christ. And uh, I'm thankful for that. Uh, I'm going to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Thank you. Before we partake together. I want to thank the Welshes and the Burlesons for helping us today. It says it this way in chapter 11, and by the time they're done, we'll be ready to partake. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than is good is done when you meet together. I pray that that's never said of us. I pray that it's always a good thing to come together at Spirit of Grace Church. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent I believe it, but of course there must be divisions among you so that you, are, that you who have God's approval will be recognized. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper, for some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others, and as a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. This is one of the passages that let me know that... Um, this communion isn't supposed to be an everyday kind of thing when it comes to a church setting, but we're supposed to be able to be willing at times to share our actual meals together. Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking, or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this, for I pass on you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And this is now where we step in to the communion scene. I want you just to close your eyes just for a second. And I want you to picture an upper room in Israel, in Jerusalem, if you will. And Jesus is there and his disciples are there. And they have gathered around a table and Jesus is beginning to tell them what's getting ready to happen. And Judas is there. And he's getting ready to go and betray the Lord. And uh, just on that side of Calvary, you see, we're blessed to see Calvary 2020. We're not seeing on the first side when Jesus tells his disciples, I'm getting ready to die. 
So I want you to place that in that setting. And now I want you to just step in, in your mind's eye into this sanctuary. And Jesus is standing right here before us. And he's telling you, not that he's getting ready to die, but he's telling you, I have already died and been raised again. And as you're partaking in this last supper, if you will, this communion service, you are stepping into the hands of the one who's already been resurrected. And you are partaking in the blood and the flesh of the Lord. And now, Lord, I'm asking you across this congregation to every person, young and old, I'm asking that this day, this hour, this moment would be a uniting force in the kingdom of God so that as we step further into 2021, that we are stepping forward not in our own agendas or in our own dreams, but we have united ourselves with you, with the body of Christ in the kingdom of God to, foresee, to see that it goes forward in this day and in this hour. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you will join me, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. And now would you, just before the praise team sings again, would you do me a favor of just worshiping and sealing this communion with a praise? Jesus, we love you, we praise you, we adore you. I am yours, I am yours, and you are mine. I am yours, and you are mine. I love you, I adore you, I exalt you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. If I can get Tony and Jason to recirculate with the trade, they'll collect. Don't pass these down. Just, just hold on to them. They'll come to you as they're singing this last song together. Lord, I'm amazed by you. Lord, I'm
I believe that Jesus is inviting us to find him. I know he's been inviting us for several decades and millennia, but I believe in this day, in this hour, after 2020, God is encouraging us. He is pulling at our heartstrings, saying, here, come find me. I've got something special for you. I've got to tell you that I'm going into 2021 with an expectancy in my spirit and an excitement in my spirit that something is getting ready to happen with the kingdom of God in this world. I just have to believe that because of the darkness that we have come through and that are in some cases we're still dealing with, but at the darkest hour throughout scripture is when the light becomes the strongest. In the beginning, there was no light. Darkness was over the depths of the, the, the world, and, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then if you read the first chapter of John, John says that the light cannot be comprehended by the darkness, and in him was the light and the life of men. And I believe that Jesus is wanting to shed some light again. I believe that 2021, if the Lord should tarry, is going to be a year of revelation. I believe that 2021 is going to be a year of harvest. I believe that 2021 is going to be a year when the kingdom of God expands like it hasn't expanded in a long time. Listen, there was one time at the very beginning when there was adding 3,000 in the church in one day. I'm just telling you, don't be surprised when this building isn't big enough to house the people that are looking for Jesus. Don't be surprised when people aren't stopping you in the middle of your workday asking you about who you know. Don't be surprised when the darkness is so strong around you and they see the light that's inside of you that they reach for you and try to communicate with you and try to lean on something that you have because it's not you that they're seeing, it's Jesus that's being revealed to them. Uh, don't be surprised if 2020 isn't the year when the kingdom of God begins to shine forth like never before. There's been times throughout history that God has allowed the power of revelation and the light of his spirit to shine forth. But I believe that we have come to the, the, the close of this thing called time. I don't know how much longer that we have. <clears throat> I'm not here to prophesy that Jesus is coming today or tomorrow, but should he so be it even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But if he should tarry in, I believe that we are entering into one of those hysterical, historical eras where the power of God, it's going to be a movement that people in time should continue and the Lord should tarry will look back and say, it happened in 2021. Listen, for some of you that don't know church history, there have been movement, movements throughout the course of time that we look back on as uh, quote-unquote theologians and we look at things and, and, and I'll, I'll just give you a couple of recent ones. Do you realize that in 1901, after many, many years where the Holy Spirit had not uh, expressed itself, um, that in 1901, a man by the name of Charles Parham was leading a group of ladies in a Bible study. And the ladies said, well, the Bible tells me that they spoke in tongues with the Holy Ghost. And it doesn't say it ever stopped. Why aren't we doing that? And so what they ended up doing is locking themselves into a room one, one New Year's Eve and said, we're not leaving until we hear from the Lord. And the Lord responded. And from that little room in Kansas, 
uh, spread uh, uh, something that all of the evangelical world will look back on as an era. It's called the Azusa Street era, but it didn't start in Azusa Street. It started in Galena, Kansas, and when it spread from Kansas to, to Houston, where a man by the name of William Seymour was, he caught a hold of the fire, and he took it to Los Angeles, and he started a little uh, storefront church, if you will, called the Azusa Street Mission. He set up some milk crates for a pulpit. He put down some blocks and pieces of two-by-twelves in order to have some seats, and he just began to pray and began to preach, and the power of God was so strong that there are recorded events of people that walked by on Azusa Street in front of the, in front of the store, never having come into the service, would fall on their face before God on the sidewalk, and the Lord would begin to minister to them. There were people all around the world that went to this little storefront church in, in, in Los Angeles on Azusa Street in order to catch a little bit of the fire, and then they went all over the world, into England and around the world, and, and began to spread the fire of the Holy Ghost. Could it be that the Spirit of Grace Church at 10110 Woodcrest could be the next Azusa Street movement? Could it be that there's a people that are hungry and thirsty for the things of God in 2021 where we don't give up, we don't shy away, but we reach forward to the power and the presence of Almighty God? There is a stirring in my spirit there is a stirring in my spirit. I almost went a little bit panicked because I knew that we have two trays for communion today and there's 40 cups in each. And I was taking attendance and all of a sudden we hit 82, 83, 83. Can, can I just tell you something is stirring in this area? There is a hunger and a thirst. But you and I need to recognize him. I believe that Jesus is calling this church. And if you're online watching, you can take it on yourself if you want. But I believe I'm speaking the spirit of grace right now. And the guests that are here today, God is calling us to seek him. And to ask him to help us to recognize him when he is moving. You know, we give, we read the, the passage in Scripture that says he came unto his own and his own received him not. And we become really critical of the people that didn't recognize the Messiah. How couldn't you recognize Jesus? Didn't you see the man that walked around with the perfectly white robe with the nice baby blue coat around and, and there was like a halo around his head as he walked because that's how we've seen it in movies and he was a white man with a beard and hair down to his shoulders except he probably wasn't you see if Jesus came to church right now and walked through the doors I have a question, would you recognize him? Because he probably wouldn't come floating in on the clouds. He probably wouldn't come on a white horse. That's still to come. He would probably drive 
Jesus. But yet you and I 
are just like the people of that day. And we have some misconceptions or preconceptions about who Jesus is before he shows up in our life. Can I tell you that the Israelites of that day was looking for a political leader to come and kick the Romans in the teeth? To raise up an army? To raise up a, a group of people that were fully armed and fully staffed in order to defeat the Roman Empire? It's one of the reasons why Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus. Because he walked around with this man for three and a half years and didn't do anything in Judas's mind of what the Messiah should do. I'm asking the question today is how do you see Jesus? What's your conception of your Messiah? You see, we expect God to speak through peace and sometimes it's really through pain. We expect him to talk through deliverance, but sometimes it's through being bound up. We, we, we've got the stories here, but we don't listen to the stories here. Think about it. Who was the one that was responsible for the disciples to get stuck in a storm on the middle of the lake in the middle of the night? Jesus. Jesus sent them across knowing what they were going to get into and he didn't even go with them. He said, I'm going to go get some R&R. And yet, when we get into the midst of our personal struggle and our personal storm, we sometimes wonder, well, God, where are you? Could it be that God's the one that sent you there? Could it be that Jesus is the one that said, it's time for you to go through some things? It's time for you to deal with some things because in the midst of you dealing with them, that's when I can step onto the water for you. That's when I can show up. That's when I can reveal myself to you. When Thomas was freaking out at the, after the resurrection and he was, he was panicking and they were, the Bible says they were all in fear and, and we give Thomas a bad rap because he said, unless I see the nail prints in his hands and his feet, I'm not going to believe. And then all of a sudden, Jesus just appears. In the midst of his fear, in the midst of his unbelief, in the midst of his apprehension, in the midst of his struggle, in the midst of them cowering in a corner, all of a sudden that's when Jesus decides to show up. Can I tell you that we have come through a year that was bound up in fear, that was bound up in doubt, that was bound up in darkness, that was bound up in struggle, that was bound up in its soul? apparent to me that when Jesus sees those kinds of situations, that's when he shows up the best and shows up the most. Can I just tell you, are you looking for him to show up? Not just at church on Sunday, but is he going to show up for you on Monday? Are you going to recognize Bob the plumber, if you will, when he shows up when you're least expected and it may come against the concept of who you think he should be 
but he's still going to be there. You see, we expect him in the sunrise, but sometimes we hear him in the darkness. Think about it. We, we sing about it. And we've set up these concepts of who he is. He'll turn my morning into dancing. We listen for him to triumph. But he speaks more clearly in tragedy. Listen, I don't mean to belittle what all of us are going through. Because I could go across this congregation today and everybody's got a story to tell. Everybody's got a struggle to fight. Everybody's got a situation they're dealing with. Everybody has something on the horizon that they're going to have to face. But could I just share with you that no matter how bad or dark or troubling it gets, Jesus is having standing there with his arms open wide and saying, do you see me? Do you see me? It may not be the bright lightning and the bright lights in the midst of your darkness, but it might be the still small whisper into your spirit. There's something that I tend to do, and you can call me weird and crazy, but it's still something that I do. When I am watching a cartoon or an animated type movie, the whole time I'm sitting there trying to figure out whose voices they are. Sometimes I miss half the movie trying to think and figure out who's talking. Or have you ever listened to like a radio broadcast and, and you, you hear this voice and it's a booming voice. One of the voices that I remember hearing very clearly in Kansas City, his name was Mitch Holtus, I think. He was the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. I think he might still be. And uh, so he would do the play-by-play -play on the radio for the Chiefs, and you would listen to him, and his voice would get really big and really loud, and you would think this guy's got to be 6'5", 280 pounds, fully toned, and, and the man's like 5'9". Doesn't match up. My perception of what his voice was didn't match what I saw. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Or you're talking to somebody on the phone and you're thinking, okay, I just got off this phone and I'm going to meet him for the first time. And when I meet him, by the way, his voice sounds, man, this. And then it's totally different. Oh, listen, I, I don't know about you. Back when my dad was sick, we started watching the show The Voice. Some of you may watch it, some of you may not. I still watch it. On my own, usually. Sometimes my wife will watch it, but I watch it. I don't know if it's because I like the show or because it reminds me of me and my dad and our family sitting there watching it. I'm not sure. But this last season, there was a man that started singing, and he did not sound like a man. His voice was higher than any voice I had ever heard. And it was so fun to watch the judges turn around because it was a good voice, but turn around and realize there's a guy standing there singing high soprano. Perception didn't line up with reality. Can I tell you, don't expect Jesus to reveal himself based on your expectations. But get ready for the opportunity to see him respond to you.
You see, it's sometimes easy if somebody that you trust, a preacher or a pastor or a loved one or somebody steps in your life and says such and so to you, and you wrap your arms around that saying, well, surely that's from God. But when it's the boss at work that just cussed you out the day before, comes in and says something to you, could it be that Jesus uses him to speak to you if you're ready to listen and to hear and say, well, that just doesn't happen that way. Listen, in the Old Testament, he used a donkey. He can use somebody that cusses you out. Jesus can use anything. Jesus can use the whirlwind. Jesus can use the tornado. He can use the still small voice. He can use the water in the rock. He can use the handprint of God on the rocks of the Ten Commandments, if you will. He can write down in the ground. He can respond by spitting in your eyes. He can respond by putting mud balls there and laying his hands on you. He can ask you a question. He can say, go do this and go do that. It doesn't matter. God has so many different ways to respond to us and to lead us and to speak to us. My question to you today is, are you willing and ready to hear what he is trying to do? Amen. Don't let... Your preconception. I've just got to tell you, and I've said it before, but all the guests can hear it now. God's voice is not James Earl Jones. <laughs> or George Burns, for that matter. Or Morgan Freeman. Well, Pastor, he's never spoken to me. He's been speaking your entire life. You just haven't heard him yet. God is a God of speaking. How do I know? He spoke everything into existence. And he has continued to speak. And in his continuing to speak, the question isn't what is he saying? The question is, is why aren't we listening? friend of mine, he and I shared a title of a message in our homiletics class. One of the things that we had to do was figure out how to preach different ways and different directions. And so our teacher partnered us off with another student and we had to come up with the same title just with a different message. And uh, so I was teamed up with somebody and we began to talk and we came up with a title of three questions. And the three questions were this, does anybody hear me? Does anybody hear me? Does anybody hear me? That was our title. Kind of catchy, right? Well, he preached in one direction, I preached it in another direction. Can I just tell you the question today is, does anybody hear me? How many have ever had a flat tire? And you thought it was the enemy. But if you were listening, it was God delaying your, because there was an accident getting ready to happen. My expectation is 
a broken down vehicle is not of God. But could it be? Hey, listen, I'm preaching to myself. You give me a flat tire or a broken down car? Or getting up the other day when it was frozen outside and turning the car on and the windshield wipers coming out and they were frozen and so they just kind of snapped and exploded? You see, 2021 is a year to say, God, I need to see you and hear you. Because here's what I have feared and what I believe that I'm coming to a close. For most of us, if not all of us, 2020, So much outside stuff clouded over our seeing him and hearing him. The first part of the year, our society got consumed with the impeachment of Donald Trump. Then the pandemic comes along and everything gets shut down. And then we don't know up from down or in from out, and we're getting all kinds of different signals from our leaders, and we don't know which way to go and which way to do, and as a pastor, it was one of the hardest things that I had to work through, because how, where, where do you draw the line, what do you do, how do you operate, you've got such a spectrum of thought, and a spectrum of input and perception, and, and, and so just as a pastor, let alone as an individual, dealing with uh, the, the, the different economic troubles that are now because of the pandemic and because of the different shutdowns and all of those things and how do you operate and how do you move and what's good, what's right, what's not right. And then all of a sudden we got into the summer and we're thinking of our normal vacations and graduations and all of that. And all of that's changed and that's been turned upside down. And then we think, well, we're going to get ready to go back to the school year and we're waiting to hear to see how the school year is going to happen. And quite frankly, at least in our house, the school year didn't start very well. And it took a while for our boys to get used to what's going on. And it took us even longer to get used to what's going on. And I've had to relearn math 15 times. And still haven't learned it. And then we're praying as leaders. We're praying in October. God, don't let us lose our concerts. And thankfully, the Lord let us have them. But then we had to figure out how to do it the right way. And so we adjusted all of that. Can I just tell you, 2020 became a year of a cloud. God was still there, and we were still here, and we were worshiping. But if you're honest with yourself, you walked through 2020, and you were wondering, God, what's really going on? Then on top of all that, you had all of the prophecy teachings that were out there saying that this is the mark and this is what's happening and this is getting ready to happen and, and, and this is what's going to happen and some of it's happened, some of it hasn't happened. Can I just tell you, don't worry about the prophetic, just worry about Jesus. If you're hand in hand with Jesus, the prophetic stuff is going to take care of itself. I don't know. I can't declare to you what's getting ready to happen in the future. I don't know how all of it plays out so that God lines it up. Here's what I do know. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to panic about it. I'm going to keep my hand in the hand of the master. And wherever he goes, that's where I go. 
and we're grounded him. That's because when I get involved in all that other stuff, then all of a sudden I'm looking around the corner of every little thing, and I become a little bit panicked and wondering, is this really it? And do I make the right choice here or the wrong choice there? And all of a sudden my mind is getting ready to blow. I need to just clear the mechanism, according to the one baseball movie. Clear the mech. I just need to see me and Jesus. Jesus, what are you saying to me? Jesus, what are you saying to me? Jesus, what are you saying to me? And then I respond to Jesus and not worry about anything else. I believe 2021 is the year where we're going to tune in like never before. We're going to hear him like never before. I want to close with this. There was a gentleman by the name of Henry. He was an unhappy sort of guy, a little bit grumpy, complained about quite a bit, and he was miserable, and he went to his pastor, and his pastor said, well, I know why you're unhappy, you're, you're full of sin. And Henry said, what are you talking about, I'm full of sin? I've taken care of all that. I've repented. I've been baptized. I've been following him. I've been going to Sunday school. I've been going to church. I've been paying my time and doing it all. And I'm still unhappy. And, and, and I said, you're full of sin. Well, what's my sin then, Pastor? He said, ignorance. And he said, what do you mean, ignorance? He said, let me ask you this, make this statement. He said, if I told you that the Messiah was one of your neighbors and you hadn't seen him yet. And Henry sat back and he said, well, I know the Messiah is not my right next door neighbor over here because he never mows his lawn. He plays music late at night. There's coming and going. That's not, that's not the Messiah. And my neighbor two doors down on this side there's no way that that's the Messiah because he, he never takes care of the kids around the house. He, his pets are all over. He never rakes his leaves. His leaves just blowing hard. And I got to, there's no way that neighbor is the Messiah. So the pastor said, listen, spend the next couple of weeks looking at all of the people you come into contact with. And do you come back and tell me who your Messiah is? What ends up happening Henry goes out. He begins watching his, his neighbors, if you will. And, and all of a sudden, he's standing in the grocery store, and the butcher is helping a lady that he knows can't afford a lot of extras. And so the butcher throws an extra slab of meat for that woman who's trying to raise it. Oh, maybe that's, maybe that's my Messiah. And then he's walking down the street and he sees a young man, 18, 19, 20 years old, helping an elderly lady into her home from the driveway with her groceries. Oh, well maybe that's the Messiah. And, and then he, he, he walked down his street a little bit further and he saw the home of a single parent trying to raise kids and working two or three jobs and still trying to take the time and, and realizing how much time and energy was taken. Maybe that's my Messiah. And all of a sudden, his perception about his happiness started to change. And he stopped thinking about the neighbors that didn't mow. 
and the neighbors that didn't rake. And he started seeing the acts of kindness. And he came back to the pastor and he said, okay, you were right. I was ignorant because I was looking in the wrong place for the acts of God. Was the Messiah the butcher? Could have been for, for Henry. Jesus is the ultimate Messiah, but he uses others to speak to us. Who is it that introduced you to Jesus? Was that your Messiah? You, you see, what am I trying to say? Here's what I'm trying to say. As we go forward this year, Jesus will use people and things to reveal himself to you. And he will use you to reveal himself to somebody else. I invite you to stand and I close with this. This is what I mean by and I think I've maybe used this example, and I don't use this example to pat myself on the back. But when I lived in Kansas City, we moved there in 1993, and I was blessed to get a job at the post office as a mail carrier. Worked there for 13 years, delivering mail out of the Lee Summit Post Office. And the Lee Summit Post Office obviously is a federal building. And the postmaster was a member of our church. So we had to be really careful talking about the Lord in our place of employment, both because it was a federal facility, also because the postmaster was a member of the church that I served. And so I didn't hardly ever witness, quote unquote, to anybody. But you want to notice what I, what I did notice after a couple of years? Hmm. After my first year of working at the post office and the vehicle that I drove to the church was a Buick Century. It was the reason why I married my wife, but no, I'm just kidding. It was her car. And when we moved to Kansas City, the windshield wiper came, or the windshield itself came loose. Well, we didn't have two pennies. I take that back. We had $7.99 to buy a roll of duct tape. <laughs> duct tape all over the windshield to hold it on. And I would drive into the post office almost smoking the car every time I'd get there because there was a gentleman in the church that almost weekly came over and took care of our oil because it burned oil so bad, leaked oil so bad. I mean, I'm just telling you, it barely ran. I never thought anything of it. Because my first vehicle was even worse than that. <laughs> Didn't think anything of it. But about a year after we were there, we were able to get a new car and I drove up. And uh, one of the co-workers came to me. You got a new car. I said, yeah, the Lord's really blessed. He said, can I just tell you something? He said, you driving that piece of junk to work every day without fail? spoke volumes to me. I knew you were a churchgoer. I knew you were one of Harold's guys. 
That was the postmaster. So anybody that came from the church was one of Harold's guys. That wasn't said nicely, by the way. I knew you were one of Harold's guys. But your faithfulness in the midst of not having anything spoke volumes. Did I ever witness that guy? No. I just went to work. I went to work and prayed I could get home from work. <laughs> what am I trying to say? People are watching you. Not because of you. I worked there 13 years and by the time that I was done working there, it was not unheard of for people to walk by. If you've ever looked inside of a, of, of a male facility, you have we call them cases, those three walls that you worked in, and the mail would come to us, and we'd have to sort the mail out to our route, and then we'd pull it down and we'd go deliver it. And uh, so I'd be standing there, usually it took us two hours or two and a half hours in our cases, or sorting all the mail so that we could take it to the street. And it was not very much longer after that that I was sitting in my case, and a gentleman walks behind and he's in tears. And he says, Tim, he says, I know you're a, a man of God, you're a preacher. And he said, I know you've never talked about it, but listen, my wife was just in a car accident. Will you pray for her? I'm on my way to find out how it is. Never said a word. Never preached a message in the break room. Never gave him a track. All I did was live Jesus. If you'll live Jesus, Jesus will speak through you to others. Amen. How do you see him today? Would you bow your heads in the presence of the Lord?